This podcast is proudly associated with Hello Sunday Morning. Hello Sunday Morning is an Australian charity changing the world's relationship with alcohol, one Sunday at a time. Their app Daybreak helps reset drinking habits and is free for Australian residents. Find out more at hellosundaymorning.org. Oh, the kettle's boiled. Great. Perfect timing. Should we get started then? I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Lucy Good. And this is Sober Awkward. Right, Lucy, over to you. Thanks, Vic. So whatever stage you're at on your sober journey, and Vic and I are at completely different stages, you'll know that life without booze can at times feel, what do you reckon? Awkward. Lucy and I invite you to listen to our podcast where we discuss the realities of sobriety, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the cringingly embarrassing. Our honest and open chats will help you discover what it really means to be sober. Yes, we're here like a dodgy bottle of port from your nan's drink cabinet to take the edge off sobriety. And together we can learn how to feel the awkward and do it anyway. Hello, welcome to podcast number five, everybody. Uncanny similarities. Yeah. Oh. oh, hold on. Alan. Hold on. What are you doing? Alan. What are you doing? Just up. Well, you can't do it now because we've just started recording. Would you mind? Yeah, can you do that later? Oh, are God, you going to get in a huff now, are you? I thought it was fairly obvious. I mean. Yeah, like we're going to have hoovering throughout our podcast. Oh, it's not looking very happy, Lucy. <laughs> I don't Let's know. just carry it's on. It's every bloody time. Every week. He's like a naughty little troll, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Lives oh, inside the he booth. <laughs> <laughs> the booth troll. <laughs> that is what he shall be named from the this booth, day forward. The naughty booth troll. <laughs> yes, we're calling that from now on. So why are we here? That's what I want to know. Oh, I don't Again. know. I don't know. No, I can tell you why we're here, because we're going to do episode number five of our podcast, which uh, might just throw in. It's had over 3,000 downloads um, in just four episodes. Yeah, which is really amazing. Yeah. Getting loads of, still loads of lovely emails from lots of people. Have you had a good week? Yeah. Yeah, good. Mine was interesting. My weekend I spent at the hospital, another morning at the hospital with the kids, with a thought we had little Georgie had a broken leg, but he was limping around for a couple of days, but it was absolutely nothing wrong with it. And what time of day was that? I mean, surely these things usually happen in the middle of the night. Yes, my old hospital visits, you know, in my drinking days, of course, were mostly in the evening. So there was a lot more going on, but it was during the day. It wasn't quite as exciting, to be honest. It was very clerical. (laughs) It was just pieces of paper being stamped and us waiting for hours on end. Oh, it's awful, isn't it? It's all yeah. part and parcel of being a mum yeah, or know. being a parent, I uh, should say. Yeah. Well, at least I wasn't hung over to drive there. I imagine if I'd been drunk or hung over, you know, drunk the night before, I wouldn't have been able to take him to the hospital. And, you know, I th- I'm sure I probably would have done that, like stinking of booze. Imagine, you know, imagine what the doctors must think when you go in there and you've got wine breath from the night before. It's just well, not a good look, is yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, I don't have to imagine because um, I have probably done that a few times. I mean, when you've got to take your kids to hospital, you've got to take your kids to hospital and with my kids it always tends to happen in the night and um, yeah I mean it might be three in the morning that we go in and I've stopped drinking at 10 or 11 the night before Mm. 
So you really are running the gauntlet. I know, it's terrible, isn't it? Yeah, and who wants to be in a hospital feeling like that? It it was not nice. So, yes, so at least you managed to do it with a nice, clear head. Yeah, and the doctor was quite handsome, so that always helps. Oh, that makes it all worth (laughs) it. And the leg wasn't broken. Let's just add that. I think (laughs) I might fake a broken leg, though, next time, just so I can go and see the handsome doctor. This is where we get our kicks now. Yeah, sad, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Two pervy old ladies (laughs) hanging around hospitals. We've got to do something for fun. Yeah, now we're sober. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we can drive to the hospital whenever we can want. Can I just put a, like a clause in this podcast? Say, do not go and hang around hospitals and then blame us because we'll get in trouble. <laughs> Looking for sexy doctors. I think you've got a funny story for us well, today, Lucy, about a similar thing about you know being humili- humiliated for doing something you shouldn't be doing. Is yeah, that right? Yeah. Well, no, I was just thinking about what to say and you know about how my week went, and I've kind of got a high and a low point, and like everything at the moment for me every point in my life um, I managed to bring it back to this sobriety journey that I'm on so shall I start with my high I think I will yeah yeah um so yeah I, I've been on this podcast now telling everybody I'm six months sober and just telling everyone in general and anyone who will listen six months and I suddenly thought hey you know I reckon that I am over that now I must be coming up to seven or seven and something so I had a look at my app on my phone called I'm done drinking and I'm I'm over eight months amazing yeah so I'm feeling not only am I feeling really good that I'm over eight months but I feel really good that I'm at that point where I'm not counting the minutes yeah well done that's so good so good to check in on that and yeah see yes. how you're doing and it and it is good to know that you're not counting anymore because it's you know, it shows progress, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think you're not I, so aware of it. Exactly right. I put something on your group because I wanted to share my win um, with some people on on your Facebook group, and um, I said to people that I'm not counting because I'm not looking for a finishing point. Um, yeah. Some people do do dry July or whatever a month, three months, a year, and I think that's great. But for, for me, this is a lifestyle choice, so there's no point in counting all the time. But it is really nice to refer to that app and have a look and see how well you're doing and whether it's just out of interest or if you're having a hard time. Yeah, just to give yourself a little pat on the back every now and again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, just uh, What was the downer? Come on. Okay, yeah, look, the downer. <clears throat> I am going to share this one. Went to the gym. I go to the gym about five times a week. Been going to the same gym for several years and went in this week and I got chucked out. <laughs> to be honest, nothing surprises me. <laughs> I thought it was quite rebellious of me, Yeah, actually. what did you get chucked out for? Talking too loudly on the phone. That is so weird. Why was that? How well, loudly? <laughs> look, you know what I'm like. Yeah, I mean, pr- I, pretty loud. <laughs> I mean, Alan has to make sure my microphone's suitably set up so I don't burst people's eardrums with my laugh. And yeah. I, I was laughing on the phone conversation. But look, I know there'll be people listening who are thinking, yeah, I totally get that. She was one of those really annoying people who talks on the phone at the gym. And I, I, I get that and I don't think I should have been doing it. But somebody called me and I just thought I'd take the call and I must have been talking exceptionally loudly and I had a lady come over and very politely ask me to leave and finish my phone call outside. What did she say? Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Well, she may as well have. I was so humiliated. Oh, no, it's embarrassing. I had to kind of do the walk of shame with my head hung low. Oh, no. But I did. I went out, finished my phone call and then I had to walk back in again and finish my workout which I did brave old me but the reason I thought I'd bring it up in this 
in this podcast today is because it's actually quite relevant to what we're talking about because I thought about this whole situation for the rest of the day and honestly I still think about it really now a few days later because you felt humiliated like embarrassed by yeah I did like being thrown out of the gym I mean it was it really was nothing yeah it's not even a big deal really is it and I might just add that there was I think there was only one other person in there right so it's nothing even to be ashamed about it's just like a little tiny thing she was really polite and I said I'm so sorry (sighs) I had no idea I was being so bad anyway I thought I I sort of delved into it a bit more because it was about three in the afternoon now usually what I would do is head home pass a bottle of grab a bottle of wine and drink that because that would hide those awkward feelings I was feeling. So you'd numb yourself out to deal with the shame and embarrassment of you having a feeling about something. Exactly right, Right. yes. And um, I didn't do that, Vic. I want a pat on the back for that. I didn't. You didn't go home and put needles in your eyeballs or anything, did you, instead? No, I was tempted, but I didn't. (laughs) No, instead I just filled myself with self-loathing and... (laughs) Just oh, thought, yeah. I'm a such an awful person. I can never go back to that gym again. Oh, dear. Um, of course, I've been back and it was absolutely fine. But the reality is I'm super sensitive and yeah. I'm an empath. And you're nodding, Vic, because you're both of those things, aren't you? I've realised in sobriety that I am exactly both of those things, extremely oversensitive and an empath. Yeah. So I'm soaking everything up in the room uh, all times, like, yeah. and that's a lot of responsibility for anybody. Yeah. It sort of leads us on to our topic, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly, and that's why I thought I'd mention it because it's one of the it's a couple of personality traits that I've got that made me feel that made me find it so hard to deal with such a, a really irrelevant situation. Yeah. But just before we go on to the reason, you know, why we're talking about what we're talking about, the other thing that it made me feel I realised was it reminded me of what it was like. Those many times yeah. that I was very politely but firmly asked to leave clubs, pubs and bars over the last Wakes. 25 years. <laughs> Funerals. Yeah. I mean, it was exactly the same feeling of I had no idea. I was yeah. upsetting people. I was just enjoying myself, chatting on the phone to my friend or getting yes. absolutely annihilated in a bar. Yeah. Um, so it definitely brought that feeling back for me. And that was a horrible, horrible one to feel. So you had like a sober hangover, basically, Lucy. You had a, a situation that arose that made you feel um, sort of anxious. And so it caused like a sober hangover, I guess. It did. Yeah. So it you did. felt the, sh- the same sort of feelings of shame and anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, horrible. Yeah, and such. A, and yeah, I'm talking about a gym which is a really chilled out gym. I mean, I'm the youngest person there. That's why I go. It's not pretentious at all. I'll give you an idea <laughs> God, of what how my. Old is everyone? <laughs> <laughs> They're old. I went down there about a couple of years ago. Drove down there in the winter, first thing in the morning. Pulled up in the car park. Realised I still had my slippers on. Oh, like everyone else in there. Yeah, I just thought I just go. It went in, yeah. did me workout in my slippers, and no one blinked. <laughs> Cared. That's the kind of gym it is. Why I was worried, I don't know. Oh, it's but it's because I've got certain personality traits that yeah. I do find excruciatingly hard to deal yes. with. Yeah. And so for the last 25 years, I've dealt with them by masking them and numbing them out with alcohol. And that's what we're talking about today, aren't we, Vic? Yeah, uncanny similarities. Yeah. So, I mean, many people have got an idea of what a typical alcoholic looks like or what the typical behaviours of an alcoholic are. I mean, you've only got to look at the way 
that we tell you we've behaved in the past. Um, and these misconceptions can lead some people to believe that only certain types of people can suffer from alcoholism or that alcoholism is somehow a choice or a lack of self-control or good decision-making. Such misunderstandings may help perpetuate dangerous stereotypes about alcoholism or make it less likely that a person who needs help gets the support they deserve. Um, and the reality is that anyone can suffer from alcoholism. It doesn't discriminate. So no matter where you come from, what you do, your personality type or your family history, or if your life is going to plan or not, um, there is a chance that at some point you may lean on booze to get through tough times. One of the main reasons we do this podcast is to make people aware that anyone could have a destructive relationship with booze and it might be hiding in plain sight. We hope that by being open with our own issues, it might make you stop and think before it bites you on the bum. Lucy and I disappeared off the radar because we were not your typical drinkers. We hid the fact we were struggling because we couldn't admit the truth that alcohol was really making us feel a bit crap. But now, since we have met and been honest about it, we've discovered that our drinking patterns and our lives are very, very similar. Even though we seemed happy and content and functional on the outside, on the inside, we were both desperate for help. And now we're in recovery, we want to learn all the reasons why we got to the point of needing help to stop. And it got us wondering why we both started using alcohol in the first place. Yeah, I mean, was it because we were shy or introvert and in need of a crutch? Or were we desperate to please others, so followed the crowd? And could we have chosen better ways to cope with our own intricate personalities rather than getting wasted? Today, we're going to discuss our characters and unpack if we were more prone to drink because we could not accept who we are intrinsically as humans. Were we drowning out our true personalities with booze because we didn't accept ourselves? I wonder, Lucy, is there a chance we could have recognised our problems earlier if we'd had better life coping tools from the start? Yeah, look, I think about it a lot too. Um, could we have learned to embrace our particular character traits instead of drinking them away? And as you may have gathered, listeners, uh, Vic and I are kind of fascinated by sobriety. We could and we do <laughs> talk about it for hours on end. Um, and you might be surprised to know that we've only known each other for 254 days. Did you know that, Vic? 254 days. Yeah, I did know that. It feels like a bloody <laughs> lifetime. Carry on. <laughs> and you might be surprised to know that's because I got sober three days after meeting Vic. And that's a story for another day as to how that happened. Anyway, the sober app on my phone counts down not only how many days I haven't drunk for, but how long I've known Vic for. It's funny you mention that, Lucy, because I've got an app on my phone that counts down towards the end of our friendship. <laughs> oh, it might be sooner than you yeah, think. It's running out, I can tell you. It's like a ticking time bomb. Oh, I'll have to have a sneak, a sneak look at that when, <laughs> yeah. when you next go to You're the toilet. No near it. <laughs> Look, I mentioned this because in the relatively short time, we've realised that we have an almost scary amount of personality traits in common, good and bad, I might mm. add. Um, and then taking it a step further, as we always do, we realise that many of them are linked to the reasons that we drank so much bloody booze. 
Hmm. And today I did discover actually that Lucy doesn't like HP on her eggs, which I find really bizarre. So that is one point where we are not similar, but everything else are exactly the yeah, same. Yes. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That was that was a shocking revelation. Yeah, who doesn't wasn't have HP it? sauce on their no, eggs? No, anyway. I think you're weird. <sighs> anyway. What we want you to take away from our podcast today are some real light bulb moments, the ones that say, yes, that could be the reason I drink so much, as well as understanding how and why certain temperaments are more likely to reach for the tequila than others. We hope that by talking honestly and openly about our own drinking dramas that you will be able to pinpoint similarities in yours. Of course, we plan on scaring you into stopping drinking (laughs) by sharing tales of our undignified downward slopes. But don't panic. We always end in a high and we want to share with you our own coping mechanisms to swap out booze for healthier and more sustainable ways to deal with the wonderful person that you are. Yep, that's what we're going to do today. And I suppose we have to start with the awkward, (laughs) this awkward question of what similar traits do we have that we believe also fueled our drinking? And we we have mentioned it in our introduction, but... Again, we're talking about us. This is really about us, this podcast, isn't it? I apologise if this doesn't cover everybody's personality traits. It would be impossible to, to yeah. cover everybody. But <laughs> I hope you can take something away from, from our own stories. Yeah, it might even be that, you know, one of these traits that we bring up, that yeah. we've got in common, that we also believe caused us to drink a lot, might resonate. Or it might be that none of them do or loads of them. But this is just hopefully going to help you to maybe look at your own and say, yeah, that could be because I'm like that that's one of the reasons that I like to have a drink yeah and hopefully that you'll accept that reason and go actually can I change Mm. yeah Yeah. which is what we've done really isn't it exactly and that's what we're going to go into as well as sharing um our awful (laughs) lots of awful horrible things about ourselves we know the the listeners love to hear our horrible debaucherous tales of drunken misconduct yeah if you ever (laughs) want to feel good just listen to us If you want to reach the lows of depravity, then tune in. Yeah, and if, if you resonate too much, then you probably need to stop drinking. You probably need help. Yeah, we laugh, but, you know, got yeah. if we didn't laugh, we'd probably cry a lot. We do cry quite a lot Yeah, now, sometimes so. in private. <laughs> but look, our list, we usually sort of decide what we're going to talk about and then we make our own little list of what we want to say. But because of the nature of this podcast, we're talking about our similarities. We made two lists, didn't we? And they were almost identical. They're the same, yeah. So, look, why don't you start, Vic, just tell us maybe the ones that really pop out, your your traits that you have had when in your drinking days that you think made you reach for a drink more than you should have. Well, I think I grew up with three elder siblings, so I... I was very easily led. I wanted to join the party. I remember we've talked about that before on the podcast, Um, which which meant I had a very rebellious nature. I just wanted to grow up before my time. And my way of doing that was to reach for alcohol. So one of my intrinsic personality traits was to rebel against the norm from a very, very young age. So, of course, that led to me wanting to impress my peers because I wanted to impress my brothers and sisters and be like, look, I can do this. Um, so, of course, impressing your peers when you're a teenager, the only thing you're going to do is is reach for a, a bevy. Oh, yeah. definitely. And that's what I did, yeah. yeah what yeah. about you? Look, um, I think maybe the first one that I'd like to bring up is um, is shyness. Yeah. Um, that's a really big one for me and it's one that I'm actually dealing with all these months into sobriety now and just finding social situations quite awkward. I find it really funny that you and I tell people that we're shy yeah. because I don't think we come across like that we're at all. We're not shy in this room when we're together, but... 
perhaps we're more introverted than we realised. Yeah, um, I've been on um, TV, um, on the morning show and stuff like that. And I, I can do things like that, but it's just certain social situations that sometimes I find really difficult. Um, I find them difficult now. And looking back to when I was 15, I did. So... I can remember taking my first drink at around the age of 14 and or 15 and it really was like taking a magic pill because it took away all my inhibitions and I was able to communicate with people instead of being in this really socially awkward place where I could barely say a word. So you went from being totally shy to then becoming a completely different person after you'd taken that drink. Yeah, yeah, totally I did and so much so that I can remember when I was young I mean I we used to go into the pubs and we were about 15 years old in England it was all quite different wasn't it then yeah. and I or just going Fake around IDs. yeah even if, if they even bothered looking yeah they were the days Vic those are the good old days packet <laughs> of Marlboro like, lights in your pocket not like that anymore is no. it uh, <laughs> we shouldn't be looking back with no, we <laughs> That was the terrible begin- times. Terrible times. That was the beginning of the night. Yes, that was the good bit. <laughs> no, I I do remember. I had my first relationship. Lovely, lovely guy. God bless his soul. Because unfortunately, um, he died at the beginning of this year. But my first ever boyfriend, Adrian, who I went out with for four years, always felt I was punching above my weight. But I can remember I was so nervous when I went to see him that I used to get a little bottle of you know, neat whiskey and would drink that before I could actually bring myself to go and see him mm. or to walk through the pub door or to go into someone's house. Looking back, that was just terrible. But it was my magic pill that allowed me to get out there and socialise. And then as the years went on, I used that as a crutch to socialise. So now I've stopped drinking and we'll go into this, you know, what happens and how you deal with these problems when you stop drinking. I've almost reverted back to being 15 again. And we had this conversation in the week because I've been struggling this week. So for me, my trait that, and I think a lot of people will um, feel this who are listening, my main one was shyness and being an introvert. Mm. That was what made me pick up a drink. Yeah, that is a huge one. I do really relate with that, Lucy, because I think when I was that age, when I was 14 or 15, something that came up for me was that, um, you know, all the other girls in school were kissing boys and going to all these different bases and things. And and I wasn't very comfortable with, with sex or anything at that age, but everybody else seemed to be doing it. And I felt like perhaps that was something that I should be doing as well. And I, I used to drink, you know, I used to have a couple of pints, get, steal a bottle of wine out of the garage, do whatever I could. And it made me in a very similar way to you. It made me more accessible to boys. If you know, it made my underwear much more accessible. (laughs) but it made me as a person like capable of 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 interacting with boys and and having you know having snogs behind the bike sheds and all that sort of thing because actually I don't think I was comfortable with those things I wasn't ready to do anything with boys but I felt that peer pressure because I wanted to impress and that whole thing of me being rebellious I felt like it was something I had to do even though I was probably too young so of course I just drank through it so really again Lucy I think I was probably shy too and I've never really looked at that I've never really looked at me pouring alcohol on myself like to make myself come alive which I guess I did for throughout most of my youth yeah which I'm not happy that I did but you know hindsight's a wonderful thing I I just I just didn't know how another way of of making myself more confident yeah and I mean that's that brings us to another point we've got in here which um, I think you made this one first of all which is a low self-esteem I mean there is nothing like a drink to suddenly make you feel 
really confident in yourself if you've got low self-esteem um, and if you're unhappy with your looks as we so often are as we grow up especially as women and certainly nowadays for our poor children growing up in this Instagram crazy world or should I say Snapchat yeah, I can't it keep is. up with yeah. it all um, but they you know a lot of them are suffering from low self-esteem and alcohol is so accessible to them so that's another one isn't it um, yeah. and that leads on really from that what you're saying you were drinking to put yourself through what you honestly your true self found a really uncomfortable situation yeah and I'll probably still be a virgin now to be honest if I start drinking <laughs> are you not you know I've had three children <laughs> no they weren't immaculate I can say this. <laughs> it's just I do bow down to you often because you are my guru so I, I wondered that on was your knees, all Lucy. I don't mind when you bow down to me occasionally well I would but there's not enough room there's not enough room <laughs> we'll, we'll put a picture on Instagram of the size of yeah, our little studio here it, it thanks funny. to Alan, the yeah, sound but at guy. least at least we've got a nice clean floor. Yeah, it's his favourite. What are some others? So the one that came up for you, I think, was depression because yeah. you've suffered a bit from depression in the past. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I suffered a lot. I mean, I suffered from clinical depression for about the last five, six years, but on and off a lot, um, you know, before that, going back probably about 10, 15 years, but not really identifying what it was. Yeah, I felt really depressed. That was caused through a number of reasons, but one of which is having a, a sort of a chronic disease that I, I struggle with on a daily basis um, and that um, sort of is is the prognosis is it's not going to get any better. So that brought on a, a depression in me and um, and then I I tried to deal with that by drinking. Yeah, so obvious, obvious lean to, isn't it? Just to take the edge off yeah. at night and just go, actually, I don't want to think about this anymore. Hmm. I'm going to drink so that I don't have to think about this problem and hopefully drinking will make me feel better. Yeah. And, and which also, isn't the case, of and course. And also it will make me feel better and, you know, I don't really care about my future because I was thinking it didn't look good. I mean, I don't feel like that now. I've managed no. to deal with it. When you get quite ill, um, you, it's like going through a grieving process of not being able to accept it, fighting it, yeah. and then finally accepting it. And then you, you you go through all this stuff. And anyway, I, I didn't go through it as I should. I drank my way through it. Yeah. And um, unbeknown to me, although I did know, we all know alcohol is a depressant. Yeah. Um, but it made me feel good. I like thought maybe they've got it wrong somewhere down the line. The only thing that actually makes me feel good is a drink. Well, that is really because it makes you forget all of the problems in your yeah. life. So therefore it feels good. At the time. Because everything at the time, because everything else is gone, but then it's doubly worse the next yeah. day. Which goes on to what I experienced, a similar thing, which was anxiety. Yeah. I became very, very anxious after drinking due to taking too many recreational drugs in the nineties as well. I had a I had a bit of a situation then which led to a lot of anxiety um, which resurfaced again when I became a parent. So all of these things are all personality traits that have developed for certain reasons. It doesn't really matter why you have them or why, who you are. Yeah. They, they're just things that you are intrinsically as a human that definitely relates to how you drink. So yeah. Lucy drank for depression. I drank for anxiety because of shy. You said you're a perfectionist as well, oh, Lucy. Oh, yeah, like, that's a really big one, yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of people who I spoke to, when I've been to some of your sober meetups, Vicky, and I speak to people perfectionism comes up a lot. I mean, none of us can be perfect. We're trying to do something that's impossible. Says <laughs> 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 so she with the, what does it say on your T-shirt? Let that shit go. Let that shit go. It's got on her T-shirt. We'll take a photo of it. I think I will let that shit yeah, go maybe after we'll that put curry this on. you had earlier. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, let's finish up here as quick as we can. I don't want to be... A, I don't really want to be a part of that. Uh, sorry. But, um, yeah, well, you may be perfect yes, in every okay, way. Yes, I'm glad we got that clear. But, yeah, I mean, you, you, who wants to be perfect? It's boring. You're boring. Yeah, um, okay, I don't mind. <laughs> but, yeah, if you're trying to reach something that is impossible to reach and you never get there, you're going to constantly be beating yourself up and that's not a good thing. Yeah. And so you drink to make yourself feel better. So, yeah, we've got quite a few in there. Rebellious nature, um, people-pleasing. We are such people-pleasing. Oh, that's the biggest one ever, that people-pleasing one. I mean, that for me is, I've been my entire life, has been trying to make everybody else happy. Yeah. And it's a huge responsibility, I've realised since giving up drinking, that you can't make everybody happy. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, totally. Yeah, because yeah, even now we do that, don't we? Even as we're... Um, yeah. You know, we, we, if we were drinking, we knew that we would make people laugh. And we yeah. knew we'd give people an entertaining evening. So we were ticking our people-pleaser box by doing that. Yeah. There's so many other ways that we can please people. And later on, we will talk about um, how we use things like our people-pleasing, our perfectionism, our shyness, yeah. our uh, worrying natures, because I worry all the time. That's another one of my of my traits um but how, how we use them in in a in a better way in yeah. our wonderful sober lives well I, I definitely am still a people pleaser now because i'll tell you a perfect example of this this week was that i you know you don't just unlearn everything no i still have this thing where i need to please people and it, i just do it in different ways now but there was something on a on a, a magazine this week it was on instagram and they'd, it, they'd done a shot of an article and it was about a woman and her daughter and it was about the daughter not wanting to do the cross country and the mum said i've allowed her to skip it and obviously my <laughs> comment underneath <laughs> was i think skipping it's a bit mean making her skip it because she'll get the rope tangled around her legs. And as I wrote it, I was like, yes, score. That is a really good punchline. And it made me feel really happy, even though I know that like, that is my own sense of humour and that I cannot see the other people on the end of that comment <laughs> laughing or anything. Like, Still, I have that need even to make people laugh that I can't even see. Yeah. So it's totally irrational. Yeah, but it's Something in me has that that you know passion yeah. to make people i don't know happy and that is some a, a problem for me i think well, i don't know if it's so much a problem did you get many responses no but i kept checking please tell me i'm funny <laughs> well, no please tell me I'm, funny. I'm just gonna put it out there i found that quite funny okay good but then you know i i do i love all your jokes i think it's a habit now but i don't get any satisfaction from that like i don't know why <laughs> like it's just we'll, we'll talk a bit more about yeah. our whys i think yeah, but it was a really but... good point that you made that these, these things they don't go when you become sober it's no. about you and i think it's a good thing to want to help people I mean, that's what we're doing here pleasing people being a people pleaser is not necessarily about making people laugh it can be about making people feel Think, better in yeah. some way and, and better themselves and that's what we're trying to do here so this is kind of one way that we're feeding our people pleasing personality trait yes, by doing this is, podcast yes. it's all completely about us show us the love <laughs> yeah. yeah as many comments as you like this wait a week. second Lucy what is that noise he's at it again Alan what are you doing what are you doing? We can't eat crisps right now. Oh, God, just, well, I'm, we're going to have to keep going because otherwise... Yeah. Cause I've All got right, to, carry on. All right, okay. Well, now I've lost my train of thought because I, I wonder what flavour they are. Yeah. <laughs> I hope they're not walkers. Oh, I do love a Smoky bacon. Smoky bacon. By the way, you should have said chips. Oh, yeah, chips. Sorry, chips, he's eating a packet not, of chips right chips, next not to hot, us on not the hot floor. Chips. Nibbling away. Yeah, making crumbs on the carpet. The troll, what did you call him? <laughs> the booth troll. <laughs> 
the booth trolls having a snack. <laughs> right, carry on. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Where were we? Um, okay, so let's talk about the basically the result of what happened to us with these personality traits that we've just mentioned when we just kept drinking through them instead of dealing with the reality of how we should have um, handled them in our life. Because there's nothing wrong with any of them. They're things that a lot of people have. Yeah, natural traits. But not for us. We couldn't do it. We're too weak. So we just picked up a drink to deal with it. So go on. Um, Do you want to sort of... Starks, you've got some really good ones here. Well, yeah, obviously the rebellious people pleaser, we've referred to that already. Alcohol went hand in hand with that, so obviously that was something I was going to turn to. Um, my main one, of course, um, the result of me being a drinker and, and not coping with, with myself was when I became a mother and I got anxiety and I found mm. the whole thing so bloody overwhelming. Like I'd had no training what it was going to be like and I found it quite boring, to be honest with you. Yeah. you know, I loved that baby more than anything in my life. But for me alcohol became an escape and a a relief from the mundanity of being a new mum so Mm. of course I I went out weekends and I just you know I got I had an escape which was to drink so and I just want to mm. wonder because you've put here hosed down like an elephant yes so and I was going to ask you (laughs) before what that meant but I thought I'll wait and just see what comes out oh we used to work in a zoo (laughs) oh you hosed down I my husband once when I got one of the first times I went out and got pissed after having the baby sounds terrible doesn't it please don't tell anyone <laughs> listeners that I did that a lot um Ooh, but yeah I'm just being naughty. honest but yeah I, my husband I'd been sick and in, in my handbag it overflowed in the taxi oh. I was in a lovely sequin dress and I came in I fell I was leaning against the front door and as he opened the you know at the front door I sort of collapsed onto the floor just with my legs sticking out like the wicked witch of the west <laughs> Yeah, it was a bad look. And he had to sort of drag me like a dead body into the bathroom and dump me in the bath and hose me down with the shower where I was like gibbering like an alien at him, saying, Can I hold the baby? Let me wake the baby up to hold. He was like, Get into bed. Oh my goodness. Yeah, just a horrible total mess. And I listened to that with sadness. I mean, there is a comic side to it. I know. It's just what we say. I mean, you know, it is funny, but it is not a good look, really, is it? It's not a good look. But it's something to remember to keep you on that sober path. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, one of the things that I noticed that was really going wrong when I was drinking th- my drinking through everything was that um, I I use drink. I've built my own business, which I've had for five years, and it's it's going along nicely now after five years and supporting myself and my small family of hmm. two children. Um, but getting there was such hard work and I was, um, you know, was contracting, I was working part time, I was Uber driving, I was bringing up my kids and I was starting this business and it was exhausting. Mm. Um, and of course, everything had to be absolutely perfect. And in order to get the business off the ground, I had to be an extrovert, putting myself out there, shouting about what I was doing because it's an online business beanstalkmums.com.au yes, quick might just there. put it out there just a space for single mums if you want some happiness yeah, it's amazing. In, in your life um, but in order to do it I had to really get out there PR myself and it, it wasn't natural for me because I'm shy and I'm an introvert um, and I'm a worrier so putting myself out there was really difficult but I could do it if I had a drink yeah. so I'd work really really long hours but that was fuelled by alcohol 
if I'm going to be honest, and this is, you know, I, I'm just going to, little disclaimer, I'm not saying that you should drink, but I actually probably think I couldn't have done what I did sometimes without drinking because I haven't got the nature of putting myself out there. Right. I, I do another podcast, which I do on my own for my business, and I have on expert guests. So it's just me interviewing the guest, and I've done nearly 80 episodes of that. But for some of them... I had to have a drink before I spoke to yeah. the expert guest. And um, just to help with your nerves, do you think? Is that how you sort of put it in your brain? It was like, I can have a drink now to help with my nerves. I need to be, I need to be like on form now. So otherwise I'm going to be too, speak too quickly. You, you wanted it to relax. Or what was your reason um, when you had that drink? It wasn't to help with my nerves, Vic. I mean, I did feel nervous and it did help with my nerves. But the reason for having it was so that I could come across as a different person to who I was. Gosh, I was wasn't confident in the That's person insightful. I was. That is insightful. Yeah. I yeah. needed to have a drink That's to turn into it. somebody yeah. else. Yes. Um, because I needed to be, perform like an extrovert, like I was really confident in what I was telling them yeah. or talking to them about. And I didn't feel it inside. So yeah. I needed a drink to do that. So ultimately, by doing that, I became more and more hooked on drinking because yeah. I was using it not like more like you, Vicky. You're more of a go. You were more of a going out and socialising drinker out in bars and pubs but I was I was at the beginning but then it became more sinister when I was drinking more at home when I was working it was every time I worked every time I cooked dinner every time I did anything I had a drink yes so you couldn't escape from it it's just constant I couldn't it really exacerbated my um my drinking a lot and so of course and the other one that the result of drinking through these char um, character traits is of course <clears throat> that I I created a lot more um problems around my depression because mm. unbeknown to me I was making it worse and worse and worse until I got to the point where I was you know I, I was pr pretty much getting close to rock bottom um, and so close I still couldn't see that the problem was the drink it Isn't was amazing it was a savior. That you didn't correlate the two at that time no, I didn't I suppose I didn't even when I gave up I I mentioned it last week, um, and you've spoken to him, haven't you, um, William Porter? Yes, yes. Um, he wrote um, Alcohol Explained, and reading that book made me actually set, set eight months into sobriety. Only now have I accepted that, yes, it is a depressant. It wasn't helping me. Gosh, isn't it funny? You just live for those short-term highs. Again, we talk about that a lot, like those short-term yeah. alcohol highs that make you feel good for a very short-lived moment, but the fallout from that is huge. And it can last, for me, those anxiety attacks that I had on a Sunday, they would last throughout the whole week for me, and it wouldn't yes. be until the Friday night where I'd probably drink to stop the anxiety yes. and start it all again. So it was just an, actually a bit like a high that I was just spent a week, a, a five-minute high that I probably spent a week recovering yes. from and it's then crazy. started it again. Yeah, it's, yeah. It is madness. So you had a characteristic, which was that you felt anxious, and in order to deal with that, you would drink, and that was actually making you feel worse. And it's not until you get sober that you can recognise um, that it wasn't working for you and it wasn't serving you. It yeah. Suddenly it becomes as clear as day, doesn't yeah. it? But, but it does take a long time. Yeah, but it's that social thing, isn't it? It's that social norm that, like, I, I can't not do this. I have to do this. So I've mm. got to keep doing it because otherwise I'm going to be the odd one out. So exactly, I just kept yeah. doing it. Because I'm a people pleaser, I didn't want to be the odd one out. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone wanted you there so you could make them laugh yeah, by fulfill, being the exactly. most drunk. I wanted to fulfil my role as, you know, the funny person with the funny lines that did the moonwalk or whatever mm. 
stupid dance move I was doing on that day. But- <laughs> the podium, which I'll, I'll tell you what the podium is very quickly. The podium is not me dancing on the podium. The podium was me being a podium and people <laughs> climbing up onto my back. So I'd be like on all fours and it, I'd be covered in disco dirt the next day because all my clothes would be completely ruined because I'd allowed an entire nightclub of people to dance on my back. How <laughs> odd. I know, the podium. I'd be like, Vic's doing the podium. Yeah, no, there I was crawling around. No, I, and get I, on, on you get. And being an empath, <laughs> I'm thinking, why didn't those people think they might hurt her? Nobody cared. They just wanted to dance on my back and you were just there on all fours with people yeah. i mean that's almost. i had footprints on my back the next morning that's t- that makes me sad as well <laughs> it makes me laugh and it makes me sad i'm feeling a real real range of emotions yeah, with these I stories mean, i just tonight. thought it was funny like i know it sounds <laughs> was uh, I don't do the podium anymore. Let's just say that. I don't know. Well, maybe we'll have a go. Maybe we'll have a go maybe. in here. Alan can get on my back. <laughs> I'll ride. Get on. I'll ride around. We take a photo. <laughs> Come on, Alan. <laughs> on your hop. <laughs> so this would, this moves us really nicely on because the next thing we're going to talk about here is how we coped with those characteristics in sobriety. So how the stupid things we were doing to manage our personality traits. When we became sober, how did we deal with it? And it's really good because the first thing I've got here that you wrote down, Vic, is that you wrote a list yeah. um, of, of all the bad things you'd ever done. And I'm imagining that the podium and the elephant hose. No, neither of them are on there. Because <laughs> there were so many, so many other ones. <laughs> I mean, they're just the tip of the iceberg. You couldn't fit them on the no, list. No, I couldn't fit them on the list. There's a lot worse things than that. <laughs> So one of the first things I did when I decided to give up drinking was to make a list of all the terrible things that I'd done. So just all the really embarrassing things, the things that, you know, the terrible one night stands and just the awful behaviour that I did. And then I sat down with that list. I can tell you it was worse than Santa's naughty list. It was, you know, terrible. And I looked at the list and I read it back and then I looked at each little thing, each little sentence, and I wrote not okay next to it. So it was really clear that I'd done all these things and looking back and reading that list back, I realised that none of the things that I'd been doing were okay. It was for everybody else to be entertained rather than myself and I was putting myself at risk. I'd lost myself in this character that I'd become, in Mm. in these made-up characteristics, if you like. Um, yeah, so when I read that back, that list back to myself, I realised that the person looking back at me from that piece of paper was a complete raving lunatic banshee. Mm. It wasn't me. Well, I don't know. Oh, a little bit, bit yeah. <laughs> Apart from, yeah, some things on there were okay. <laughs> it was quite funny watching you eat your Thai curry tonight since you asked for it. <laughs> Super duper hot, she said in a confident voice. She did look like a lunatic banshee eating that. Yeah, I with my, I with my eyes bolting out of my head. <laughs> You Uh, asked for it hot, dear. Oh, yeah, I regret that. No, but it is. That's a really serious point if you put it. My life at the moment is punctuated with really shameful memories. Yes, and I had a lot of them. Yeah, Yeah. and I think often think I should write a list. Yeah. Just in case as well, if I weakened in my sobriety, just look at that list. Because it was a really eye-opener. It was a massive eye-opener for me to realise that all of the behaviour that I'd had was was bad for me. And it it was funny for everybody else, but it was bad for me. I mean, as, as listeners, you can do this.
this. Make a list of all of those things and then read it through and write not okay next to it because it's a very satisfying thing and it makes you realise that actually none of those things had any benefit for you. I never walked away with anything from anything with my head held high. I was always had my head bowed in shame with a hood on the next day feeling terrible shame and guilt. Whereas now I don't have that. I, mm. I do have my head held high because I'm... I know what I'm doing and I know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm present and I'm aware, which is a huge, huge difference. What about you? Yeah, look, well, we're looking at, um, you know, how we coped with our characteristics in sobriety. And I think the most important one for me that I'd like to share in the hope that others out there might might try to do it as well and their journey to it might be different but is to accept yourself for what you are all these characteristics which you probably look as quite negative because they're causing you to pick up a drink instead they are your characteristics they're what makes up you so try and accept them and I just want to bring up something that happened um, when I very first met Vic it was in a a coffee shop. I might have mentioned this before. Yeah, I think you it's did, a big yeah. mo- it was a but it was a big moment. It was a changing point. It was I became sober three days oh, I later. I can't remember it, Lucy. I don't know what you're talking well, about. Oh, you can because I keep going on about it. <laughs> Stop pretending it doesn't mean anything to you. <laughs> I think about it all the time. <laughs> oh, don't say it like that. I don't know if I want to share it. Now. I'm rubbing my legs. My, the top of my legs. Oh no, not that again. <laughs> Oh, God, I've lost my train of thought. Sorry, Lucy. We met up in a coffee shop and I just remember there was a bit of a light bulb moment for me when we were having a bowl of porridge. That's become a little thing for us, hasn't it? Our porridge dates. Porridge and coffee dates. Yeah, which we love. Um, But Vic was having a bowl of porridge in front of her, a nice hot cup of tea, I think you had, and you said, this is me, porridge and tea. Really confidently, really happily, and I thought... This is, you, you've got it. You've just accepted who you are now and it isn't that person, that place where I was still in that really dark place because I was drinking at the time. So acceptance. Yeah. Um, and that can be done for some people listening. They, they might be able to work through that on their own, yeah. I think. But I mean, other people my, need help. Well, mine didn't used to be porridge and coffee. It used to be cocaine and beer. Yeah. <laughs> So it just shows you how much you can change. It does show. I mean, how I've much gone from that change. to something else. Like. And I mean, I understand that porridge is a really good energy food, so it's kind of the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. similar, <laughs> similar. Not. I don't get a come down with porridge though. No. <laughs> just a little bit of a tummy. And I was going to say you don't get a flour in your cocaine, but that kind of just that yeah. could go on that joke because there maybe was flour in the cocaine. Yeah, but probably in the, it was. I, I was buying off some. T- Dodgy guy around yeah, the back of the bike shed. We, we were so drunk, they yeah. sell us anything. Yeah. But no, it, where we have our porridge, they do put real flowers in the. Yes, it's in posh there. porridge. So, so, I mean, who would, who would not want that? It's I mean, posh I can't think of anything better. I mean, yeah. we, we pay through the nose for it. It's yeah. probably more than Coke. <laughs> it's $50 a kilo. <laughs> Oh dear. Anyway, we yeah, but you know, accepting yourself and what you are, and it doesn't have to be this this yeah. exciting and, no. mad woman. It can be somebody who's sitting in a very content manner at a coffee shop with a lovely cup of tea. And actually, that's a lot cooler than being like Way cooler. the crazy people that we used to be. So it's actually you want to have to, you need that want as well. You want to change. So that's mm. a really important one. Is that you know you can be a certain way, but if you want to be another way. That is a possibility. Like something that therapy taught me was that people are capable of change. I changed hugely, and we'll talk about a little bit about that later. But I think my ma- one of my main ones there is like 
was the release for me, was letting go of other people's opinions. That was the hugest thing that I've ever dealt with in my life, was just going, actually, I can't control what other people think about me in any situation. So me, in those people-pleaser situations, whether people were happy or not, I couldn't read inside their brains. I just thought I was doing something to make other people happy, whereas, in fact, maybe I wasn't. Mm. Maybe I wasn't making people happy, and I certainly wasn't making myself happy. So the release that sobriety, with sobriety and with learning about it, that I don't actually now care what people think about me is, you know, it's a completely different person and it takes a huge amount of stress off my shoulders. Yeah, and were you one of those people who, if you went out for the night with a group of people, if you didn't feel the vibe was quite good enough, you felt it was your job to to Yeah, because of the empath thing. I'm I'm taking responsibility for everybody's night being fun. Now imagine that, a room full of 100 Mm. people I'm thinking it's my job mm. to make everybody in that room happy. That's how I felt all the time. And I felt that I had to perform for people. And it was huge for me. Yeah. So obviously I'm going to drink through that because it's so much pressure. I mean, and it's wasted so much mental energy throughout my life. I mean, I could have spent that energy doing something much more productive than worrying <laughs> what people's going on in other people's brains because it's a fucking well, waste of time. I'm, I mean, I suppose we do still do it, but we do it within a, in a you might, we might think about it, but then we let it go. Yes, letting it but go. yeah, is, that's a huge Let one. that shit go. There you go. There's my T-shirt Let that shit tonight. go. Yeah. yeah, perfect T-shirt. We get everything right with this. Yeah. Look, some other way, ways that I found to, to cope that I've put here I just wanted to bring up was if you are shy like me and you're struggling with your social situations and one thing I do find is find a group of like-minded people people who are also trying not to drink that really helps maybe it's AA maybe it's just a local sober curious group but also I mean I funny thing that I've just started doing is I now volunteer at the lifeline shop my local lifeline shop I love it in there I love all the old dears and it just gives me a way to get out and to converse with people but with purpose yeah where it's not just socializing I haven't got the lights being shined on me and people saying how are you what have you been doing how have do you, you come feel about yet? this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Has it worked? Yeah. Um, it's just about going there and, and taking clothes out and sorting through toys yeah. and having a purpose. So if you feel shy and you think you'll never go out again, a bit like I did and still do, is find other things to do where you've got a sense of purpose whilst you're there. Yeah. So whether it might be volunteering or it might be going to meet up with people you can talk to about yeah. stuff like that. And podcasting. I mean, yeah. podcasting, writing for me is my healthier way of people pleasing. Yeah. I can still express myself. I can express my humour onto paper and pass it on and hope that it makes people happy. But I don't feel that you know, integral need to make people laugh, only on occasion on Instagram. But <laughs> I, you know, there's something to be said for, for doing things in a healthier way and making yeah. those changes. Yeah. Exactly. And, and understand, like, it's a lot of self-reflection is going to go on here for the listeners, you know, to say, look, you need to look at yourself and try and work out who you are as a person, what you like about yourself, what traits you want to keep and what traits you want to change and really have a look at that, you know, write them down because mm. that is a really good way of dealing with things. And I think that actually goes back to what I was talking about, about being chucked out of the gym. I actually had to go through a whole ridiculous range of emotions uh, from that one tiny experience. I had to accept, why do I feel like this? Because of this, because of this, because of this. But it was about facing those things that I usually wouldn't. So, yeah, self-reflection is so true. How do we feel now, though, Vic, that we've remodelled old traits and learnt new ones in sobriety? Well, that's the thing we're talking about, isn't it? The 
you know, we didn't realise that we we're capable of change. And and now I've got new traits, which is something that's really amazed me. My first one is obviously contentment. I'm so much happier. I'm content with who I am. And there's been a massive, like, unexpected journey into me. That's my first major thing about sobriety is the journey into the self, which is totally overwhelming, but also totally fascinating. Um, I'm now also much more aware of how my actions affected others in the past. I mean, we talked about hospital visits earlier. That was something I felt very embarrassed about after becoming sober was the amount of time I'd taken up from ambulances and terrible hospital visits that I'd done various Mm. injuries while drinking. You know, I'm aware of that now. I'm aware that I was taking space for people who really needed it. And I feel terribly guilty about that. But at least now I'm much more aware of my actions. I'm definitely more conscientious. I get stuff done. I'm more responsible and organised. You know, it's amazing what you can achieve when you're not hungover. I think I'm kinder, I'm more aware of people's feelings, kinder to myself and others, and I'm definitely more authentic. My smile is genuine. My laugh is real, there's no fakery, and I'm really enjoying embracing who I am without the booze mask. I think it blocked my emotions, really, for many, many years. For 26 years, I I wasn't really feeling emotions because I was drinking them away. And now I'm getting to feel those emotions again, and I'm starting to really enjoy it, even though it can be really confronting in the beginning. Um, so yeah, there's loads of things that have changed within me and they're all for the better, which, which is the positive note about sobriety is that, you know, you do change and intrinsically you change, everything changes about you and it's always for the better. Yeah, it is. And I think the way that you're talking about those things shows that you're a lot further down the line of sobriety than I am as well. So I'll share my things as well, because I think this is, it comes from a different point. It comes from a place of having, yeah not spent as much time being sober because I still find that a lot of mine are well I mean we still we still got the same personality traits but I've as I mentioned before I've learned to accept them and to learn to live with them and that's a form of self-love I love myself a lot more now self-love instead of self-loathing you know I'm still an introvert that's a hard one for me um, I really am an introvert, but that's okay. And that's part of the process. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the process about learning who you are. And there's nothing wrong with being an introvert. That's kind of a misconception in the, you know, in, yeah. in the world, isn't it? There's nothing wrong with being an introvert. An introvert means you can stay at home, be cosy, have a cup of tea and not have yeah. to face the chaos. And it's I, perfectly yeah, okay. I'd, and I know there's so many people who do need to be surrounded by people. And I, I'm fine with people like that, if that's what you're like. We all need different things to get by. And for me, it's about sort of being in my peaceful place, usually on my own. Yeah. makes me sound sad, but I like that. I mean, I like to be yeah. with people as well. Um, but, you know, I have to t- turn down invites. That's a really hard one for me that I've been struggling with, certainly over the last few months. Um, and being able, and this is something Vic's helped me with being able to say no because I know that that's what's best for me and I do have a right to say no Mm. and some people might find that difficult when I say no Um, I find it difficult to say no but um, it's about being honest and true to myself and you are very early on you know this is this is hard it's a hard thing to do to completely change your life like this in this social aspect so it's hard and you've got to give yourself a break and just go look I'm not going to go this time and but hopefully I'll go next time yeah there's no point putting yourself through it if you're not feeling confident enough to do it and 
I think that's why that's a really good thing about what we're doing now talking about this because I think I, mine are quite different to yours because I'm still on much more of a learning curve one thing I can say 100% is I am a better mom um not I feel like I'm more present I'm more connected but I'm really enjoying being a mom and when my two girls gave me their Mother's Day present last Mother's Day. I said to them quite honestly, and I didn't think about it before I said it, I said, I am honoured to be your mum. And I, I've always felt that way to some point, but I was never able to vocalise it mm. because I'm just really enjoying motherhood. I think we're definitely at different stages there as well, Lucy. <laughs> yeah. I may be the one that's lacking behind there a little bit. My Mother's Day, I'm just happy if one of them hasn't done a shit on the living room floor, to be honest. <laughs> that's my reward for the day. Thank you, children, for being kind to mummy, not tipping the Lego over or screaming in my face all day. There you I, go. Thank you. I'm I mean, happy I, to be your mother. I hope you did get your husband to clean the shit up if yeah. there was one. Of course. It's <laughs> the only reason I married him. No, yeah, maybe on different stages. Different but stages there. I've got Hopefully to... I'll learn to love them at some <laughs> stage. <laughs> Later on. This is another topic that we talk about a lot because I've got teenagers and Vicky's got young kids and it's yeah. like, you know, which is the most challenging? Um, and we're still competing on that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but similar to you, Vic, I do feel like I'm more co- compassionate and more conscious in thought I've put here. So I feel I'm making decisions and thinking about them beforehand. And that's even brought out little things in me, like being more environmentally friendly and spending a little bit more time picking... Uh, picking flowers? <laughs> in a basket <laughs> and skipping. <laughs> the blue and white checked apron. Yeah, ooh, weird. Yeah, <laughs> I tend to spend a bit more time choosing things for the right reasons rather than just rushing around and making decisions and making choices just out of desperation to get through each day. Right. I stop and I think more deeply about bigger things but also about little things and when you do that you're more likely to make the right decision and certainly when you're single like me and you have to make quite a few big decisions on your own having confidence in those decisions and giving yourself time to make the right ones is really important. It's something that I haven't done for a long time. Yeah because obviously your brain as well when you're drinking when you're drunk to make big decisions you're going to make or possibly the wrong decisions yeah, a lot of the decisions. time. Yeah, yeah, bad decision making. Yeah, so that was just yeah. something that would obviously change if you gave up drinking. Was that yeah, I mean, decision making is going to be? A I, much I'm better. about to redesign my kitchen. Imagine if I did that when I was still <laughs> drinking. God knows what it'd end up looking like. It would just look like a bar. <laughs> Just with optics everywhere, in every cupboard. I'm so glad I'm doing this sober. Um, Yeah, and another really, really important one for me is I actually feel happy. Yeah. And for the first time in a really long time, I'm not suffering from depression. Well, I am still a tiny bit, but man, I've taken such an upwards turn with with my mental health. Um, So it just shows there that that isn't an intrinsical thing that's within you. Like you may suffer Mm. some, some depression, but alcohol was was making it a lot, lot worse. It was making it worse and it wasn't allowing me the time to do the other things that I needed to do. So now I go to the gym, I exercise, I meditate and they're things that I need to do for my mental health. I can't do them when I was drinking all the time. No. So it allows me the time and space I need to look after my mental health without alcohol. Yeah. And yeah, just kinder to myself and less critical. And I mean, I just think whatever I'm doing, like we were in a restaurant earlier, weren't we Vic? And it's like, I'm going to have whatever I want off the menu. I can do whatever I want. I'm sober, for goodness sake. I've got sober. I've yeah. done one of the most amazing things I, and something I never thought I was going to be able to do. 
if I want to have a piece of toast with loads of butter and marmalade, I'm going to bloody well have it. Yeah. That will be my treat because I'm sober now. So just always remembering that win allows you to take away the guilt of doing other things in your life. Yeah. And that's really good. It makes life better. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's what we're, the whole point of this podcast is to really learn to embrace who you are, who you are as a person. You know, I think when I was drinking, I accepted defeat. I thought that yes. was who I was going to be forever. I thought, well, I'm a drinker. This is my role. This is who I am. And in fact, that wasn't who I was at all. And I feel sad that I wasted so much time being somebody I wasn't. But I'm glad now that I can, I've changed and I can, yeah. I can be who I truly am, which is someone who is a bit, you know, a bit more of an introvert and, you know, all of these other things that I'm fully embracing right now. It doesn't mean to say it's easy to be who you are all the time, you know, especially in social situations. But it is possible. And Lucy and I are so similar and we're both kind of proof that you can change your traits if you're not happy with them. Yeah, or you can you can keep even with the same traits, you can use them differently, and you can yeah. use them to your benefit rather than your disadvantage. And Accept you them, embrace them, yeah. and, and don't use alcohol to mask them. Because if you do that, you're masking a part of who you are. I think your shyness is cute. Oh, <laughs> oh, thank you so much. <laughs> and I think your rebellious your rebelliousness, uh, rebelliousness. <laughs> is, is, <laughs> I think that's really rebellious <laughs> yeah, and exciting <laughs> I do gives me an edge well there was something you put down which I thought was really great I think you took it off but you, you said that you get easily excited which I thought was hilarious yeah well now what you were saying as well earlier you were excited what did you have you went out with your daughter and you had coconut ice cream oh yes I had I had a waffle this morning with my daughter and it had coconut ice cream on it and I was enjoying it so much the fact that I was out having breakfast with my daughter I was it wasn't hungover and I was just hearing the birds mm. Enjoying her company. She's a teenager. I was enjoying her company. <laughs> and I kept saying, oh, my God, this is the best waffle ever. This coconut ice cream is amazing. To the point where she said, Mum, can you stop going on about it? <laughs> teenagers. Don't let you have living, your say. I was living in the moment. It yeah. was amazing. Simple things. So much. Simple I'll, I might things. go back and have another one. I'll yeah. send her a photo and tell yeah. her how much I'm enjoying I think it. It's good to get excited over simple things. It, like is. it makes life much less complicated, doesn't yes. it? Yes. It's almost as if your level and your need for that excitement once alcohol has gone has lowered a yeah. lot. So yeah. the little things are really, really enjoyable. Yeah. So we've got some tips and takeaway, Lucy, like always. What, what, what yeah, have you got to say? Do. Yeah, so hopefully these will help our listeners um, if they're feeling um, that they've got similar personality traits or different ones, but they do want to try and change. Um, we reckon that it's both interesting and helpful to recognise the personality traits that make you want to drink. In fact, in some cases, we believe it could be one of the many golden keys to sobriety. We are all made up of a mix of characteristics which make us wonderful and unique if sometimes a little troublesome. Although it can be hard, try and embrace what makes you you instead of masking it with shit tonnes of booze. <laughs> We're the first to admit that when it comes to coping mechanisms, alcohol can seem like the easiest and the fastest solution available. But we absolutely promise you that it is not the answer. It's actually the problem in a wicked disguise. Please believe us that this is the truth and remember it next time you reach for a drink for any reason. Try some of the tactics we've talked about to work through the personality traits that may have pushed you to overdrink, like making a list. Um, get professional help and, you know, you deserve it if you, you know, if you feel that's something you want to do. In our experience, it does get easier the longer you are sober because sobriety brings 
truth to the world. With truth comes acceptance. And from there, everything travels uphill with the ease of a motorised bicycle. Oh, except your boobs, Lucy. If you have them, they'll continue their downhill spiral. Sorry, we can't help with that. You're talking about my boobs? No, mine. Wind socks. <laughs> Elephant's ears. <laughs> No. Back to That's the why he was hosing me down. Back to the elephant. Uh, whatever the pesky alcohol advertisements might suggest, booze is not going to make you or your life better in any way. Never fall for it. And if you believe that it will on any level, remember this. Beliefs are just stories that we make up in our heads, so change your story and your life by not putting that drink to your lips. So get to know you without the booze. Find out what your true personality traits really are once the ethanol has soaked from your skin. Lucy and I think you might be pleasantly surprised and actually like who you become. And I just want to make a note that when we talk about an alcoholic personality, we're not suggesting that people with certain personality types are more likely to become alcoholics. This can affect anyone a very diverse range of people with all sorts of personalities so if we haven't mentioned your personality type it doesn't mean that you are immune the ones we've talked about today are ours and you will have yours but whatever your personality if you're questioning then it's time to get help i've got a little quote go on do your little quote you love your quote i love the person i have become because i have fought to become her and I think that's very true for both of us. Yeah, isn't I it? like I mean, that one. There's satisfaction yeah. in that fight. Yeah. There yeah. is a satisfying thing when you are something and you become something else and you've put the effort, you've put the work in to, yeah. to become something that you've always it, wanted to become. It's incredibly freeing. Yeah. I'd like to add that. Freeing's a good word yeah. for it. And I just wanted to add, I'm going to add a song recommendation today because I was in my car this week and I was... I put a, a song by Jimmy Cliff called Reggae Nights came on and it made me feel so happy. So if you're having a moment of, of doubt or sadness this week, put that song on because it, it is just classic and say the word jamming quite a lot because <laughs> that made me very happy in a very good reggae voice. So. Like, a, like we say, we're all different. Yeah, and I listen to I Can See Clearly Now, but I changed the words to I can see clearly now the grape and the grain has gone. Did you not have just said the booze has gone? Yeah, but grape and grain in rams and rain. <laughs> oh, get it, Lucy. This is, this is my Welcome to my life. Oh. <laughs> People not getting my jokes. And you're meant to be a people pleaser. I know, it's sad, isn't it? Oh, and I've got a book to recommend as well, of course. So High Sobriety by Jill Stark. This was Jill's book that she wrote about her year without booze. Um, it's a best-selling memoir exploring Australia and Scotland's binge drinking culture set against the backdrop of her, of her own tumultuous relationship with alcohol. There's a link in the notes. I really loved that book. So, yeah, it just it resonated with me. It might not resonate with you or it might resonate with you depending on where you are on this journey. But finding books that resonate with you is like the best thing you can do. It really is, yeah. It makes you feel really less alone. Yep. And um, I've not read that book, so I'll I'll add that to my list. Yeah. Um, And we just want to um, make a point here. So um, I think it's important, as does Vic, to let our uh, listeners know that even though we do laugh in this podcast and make light of our past crazy drunken behaviours, we don't want this to take away from how serious the normalisation of alcohol abuse is in our society. It has devastating effects on individuals, relationships and families. Vic and I are both passionate about helping others that are struggling and hope that our humour and insight into the life of two ex-binge drinking party girls will give others hope that you are not alone 
and everybody can live a full and happy life after alcohol. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, yeah I think that's a really good point to make because we don't want to make light of all of this. You know, it's not it's not a, a jokey subject, even though we do joke quite a lot. So it's important to say that. Yeah. Yeah. And so can I go home now? Well, well, I thought we were just going to mention we 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 said that we might mention next week's or our next podcast. Oh just yes. So the listeners are thinking, oh, I can't wait for that. The one. intrigue. <laughs> The intrigue, yes. Yeah. So um, what was it again? I think, yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> I think we're going to do something about being party girls, becoming mothers or becoming parents. So it relates to the dads out there as well, because we want to talk about that transition and whether that breeds this culture of, of drinking as a parent and, and whether that's okay or not which is probably not. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> almost definitely, definitely not. Not, yeah, not, so. not in the quantities that we were drinking. No. But also, I think we we try to include, we, we want everyone to be able to take something away from our podcast. So I know that some people aren't parents. And so probably, but listen in because there'll be loads and loads of interesting You probably will be parents one day. And yeah, yeah, there's something, if you can avoid drinking as a parent, it's probably the best decision you'll ever make. So yeah. positive impact, that's what we want to go for with that one. Yeah. So I think we we can finally. We, I think well, we can finally I really go done. home? Can I go home now, please? <laughs> oh, okay. I'm really tired, and the kids will be in bed by the time I go home, so I can watch a bit of Netflix. Go home and get into bed with your husband and fart all night long after your curry. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about farting. I think he's got that job pretty down pat. <laughs> right, onwards and upwards then. Thank you for listening to the Sober Awkward podcast. If alcohol is affecting your life in a negative way, you're struggling to moderate or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time for you to reach out for help. Contact your local doctor, a therapist or connect with a local AA or sobriety group. In fact, Vicky's got a really great one. Yeah, it's the Sober Social for Sober Curious Women. You can just search for that on Facebook. Lucy and I will both agree that even though this journey can be awkward, it's definitely worth it. And if we can do it, then you can too. For more support around sobriety, head to my website, drunkmummysobermummy.com. And Lucy runs an online space to support and inspire single mums. Find out more at beanstalkmums.com.au. Finally, if you've loved the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, give a review and share it with your mates. But don't worry, we won't be angry if you don't. I might be a bit angry, Lucy. I can't say that. They won't mind. No, it's just rude.